This episode is marked for sensitive content. Please check content warnings in the episode description before listening. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. He had explained to me that he was looking for a hookup. I went over and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Sorry, it's kind of hard to talk about. Let's just stop at this point. If I had said, I'm gonna leave now, I knew he would have gotten defensive and I just didn't know how things were gonna go. I kind of blacked out. I had to pretend like everything was okay. This episode may be difficult for you to listen in on if hearing about sexual assault is triggering. This week, we'll hear from a woman who says she dated the guy who took advantage of her. It's a conversation that I know will be validating for victims, but it definitely goes there. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. This is the podcast that gets to the bottom of those messy breakups that you want to know more about. And we are getting a little heavier than usual, but that is one of the cool things about accepting random submissions. You never know where the story is going to end up. If you're new to this podcast, I have a submission form in this episode description where you can submit your own breakup story, breakups you see on TikTok and you want to hear more about, or it could even just be the Instagram handle of that couple you followed forever and you think they might have split and you want to know what happened. Whatever it is, we love hearing the story and getting some good lessons along the way. And if you want to jump to a certain part of the interview, you can check out timestamps in the episode description. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Let's chat about what breakup story we're getting into today. So in this week's breakup story, we're going to find out what happened in this relationship where a guy and a girl were dating and he was separated from his wife, but he still ends up back with her somehow. It's a whole thing. But before we get into that, I want to let you know what domestic violence shelter we're raising awareness for this week. If you're new to the podcast, every single week we give a different shelter a shout out just so you know how you can support if you feel called to do so. This week we're shouting out One Safe Place in Redding, California. They're a multi-services agency which provides legal services, safety, and emotional support to intimate partners, children, and seniors affected by domestic violence and sexual assault. Also, tickets for the Breakup Breakdown brunch are still on sale. It's going down on September. September 23rd in Atlanta, Georgia. Tickets are 50 bucks before taxes and you get a full brunch buffet included in the ticket price. I'm going to have some special guests showing up. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, I think you're really going to be excited and it's just going to be a good time. Like we're reviving and chit-chatting. It'll be an absolute blast. So definitely check out the ticket information. It's in the episode description. Okay, now Lexi's jumping on this call with me. Okay, so I got this submission that talked about this couple that had dated within a friend group, but it was It wasn't like a typical, oh my God, this boy and this girl in the friend group and they got together. It was so cute. No, it was like a guy that was married with a child, but apparently had been very open about how he was separated from his wife. So anyway, this girl and this guy get together. And when I first heard this, I immediately thought like, oh my God, she probably had no idea. Like the wife probably thought that they were still together and this guy's just like stepping out on him. So anyway, so he's separated from his wife and he and this chick start dating and they have this really tumultuous relationship and had kept it a secret for a little bit and then came out with their relationship and then broke up and then they were just friends. It's that up and down roller coaster of a relationship where they're on again, off again, on again, off again, friends. And then homeboy, he goes back to posting pictures with his wife and kids. And apparently the wife got pregnant again. And so oh my God. it was like the situation of did the wife know that they were separated? Like, was that a real thing? Was this guy like pulling the wool over her eyes or were they were they really dating? And then did they break up and did he go back to the to the wife and everything just kind of like press reset. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, sometimes you run into the situation too. It's like that might've been the first relationship since the split. And until it took him 
dating somebody else until they wanted to be back. You know, like sometimes your ex only wants you back if you're dating someone else. So, I mean, that could have, that could have opened the eyes to the situation as well. But then again, if he kept it a secret, she might not have even known about it. Where there's smoke, there's fire. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like if it was an open thing, I don't really feel like if he was trying to keep it a secret, he'd go around telling people. Do you believe in the statement, like keep it private until it's permanent? At this rate, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, it's like tough because like I've been thinking about this, like granted, I have like a million times taken back an ex that nobody wants me with. So I sometimes feel like I have no choice but to keep it private because like people don't care and people don't want to know. And I'm almost ashamed of it at this point. But like, you know, sometimes people say, and just like you said, like big red flag right off the bat, if they like don't want people knowing about you, but I think it's like a balance, you know, it's like, it should be the, like, I'm seeing somebody, but maybe you don't have to like advertise like necessarily like who you're seeing. So I think that they say like, like knowing something public, like, you know, we don't know what the ex was capable of. So maybe he wanted to keep it on the DL. But the fact that like he had, he went back to her after like clearly shows that there was like some mysteriousness there. But sometimes, I mean, I think people keep it private because they're don't, they don't know what like the other situation's capable of. Like maybe he wasn't ready for his ex to know he was dating someone. I'm not necessarily defending this dude, but like, Sometimes I think there's reasons for keeping it private, but other times I think it's super bad when they keep it private for particular reasons. You know, my friend right now is dating someone who went through a divorce a couple of years ago and has a kid. And at first she was like, the second this becomes like serious, like I need your ex to know about it because like, I don't want to meet your kid until she's aware that you have someone new in your life and all that stuff. And at first he was like, well, I'm not ready for her to know. But then like, once it came time to meeting the kid and stuff, like he was ready to know. So I think there's a a line, you know, it's like, you don't want to mess up a good thing too quick by sharing it, but also you can't ignore the signs of like, okay, this is a little too private. Yeah. Especially if there's a kid involved, because if the kid is at an age where it's not the kind of thing where you can just sort of be around and be like, Oh, this is my friend, Lucy, Mm -hmm. an older kid who's around the age of eight is going to totally be able to see through that or like nine or 10 or whatever. But it's also entirely possible. I mean, maybe like the wife stepped out on him and he was like, okay, well, I'm going to step out on you. And so, yeah, sure. Maybe it was like a shady thing, but was more of a revenge tactic than just kind of like him going off and and betraying his family. There's a lot of different avenues that could go that could go around here. I have learned if I've learned anything from like my past experiences is like have all of your ducks in a row if you're hearing about the ex early on in the relationship. You know, I'm reading this book currently and they're like, oh, if they're talking about their ex too soon into a relationship, then that's bad. But it's like, not necessarily. And like, I don't believe in that. Like I, you know, if you are positive that there's no ex drama still lingering, then I don't think you and your partner should be hung up on talking about each other's exes. But if there are things still lingering, have all your ducks in a row. I am finding out now my friend groups have changed over the years, but, uh, you know, being on and off with my ex for the last five years hasn't changed. I am finding out now things that happened in the beginning of our relationship that I had no idea about because I didn't ask those questions. And I was just like a little delusional to like wanting to know more. And now I'm like resenting my ex more now because I'm like, if I would have known that earlier on, would it have saved me all this? So I think that there is totally a balance between like, yeah, like if they talk about their ex too much, then like be weary. But also if they talk about their ex too little, then be weary because people like could be hiding stuff. So, you know, there's a line, but I don't necessarily think like I've had, I've been in situations where my friends have flat out met the new person I've date, been dating and been like, you're talking about your ex too much. And I'm like, well, no, they need to be aware of these things because like my ex still lingers. And they were like, well, no, you should just leave it out of it. But then my ex ended up being a problem for us. So it's like, you know, you got to make people aware. No, that's interesting what you brought it back to the beginning because it's always the beginning. If there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast. What do that- we always say? I feel like we say it every week. It's like the signs you ignore in the beginning end up being the problems in the end. And like, I am finding myself, you know, it's like when you go through the healing process of like being done with someone they like the therapists always say write about how you feel and it's like I am writing down things now that I'm like I felt that the first day they weren't asking enough questions about me they didn't want to know about me they didn't care for me in these ways and like are there instances where they change yeah but like there's also ways they haven't well let's figure out what went down in the beginning and see if there were any signs we ignored if it was a total blindsided situation we break down are we breaking down this (laughs) I had to say you want to do it you want to do it can I do it this week yeah one two three when we break break down down. 
this week's breakup. So we met through a mutual friend. Uh, it was his best guy friend, my best guy friend. And we all started playing Dungeons and Dragons together uh, every Sunday. We did that and then we kind of just got a little bit closer. So I really liked the idea that he was older. I mean, every younger girl likes the idea of an older, you know, guy liking her. And he was so funny and he was carefree. And when you talk to him, he made you feel like you were the most important person. What you were saying was the most interesting thing that he could ever be listening to. So, and then if you had a problem, he was there for you. He was letting you know that he cared for you. So I, growing up, I guess I was never really the kind of girl that, how do I say this? I didn't have a lot of boyfriends growing up in high school. I had my first boyfriend when I was, you know, 20. Anytime I had someone pay attention to me, I was drawn to it. So he, he drew me right in no matter what. How long into the relationship does it take for you to notice that maybe something's off? I would say probably two to three months in. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit. Him and I, in the beginning, we were just friends with benefits or fuck buddies or whatever you want to call it. And he drew me in by being like, Hey, he had expressed that him and his wife were separated. And not only to me, he told all of us Every Sunday, he would talk about how she would come home with another man and how she was out dating people. And she was always talking about the kind of dick that she got, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Yes. So he was telling all, us all of this. And then somehow him and I started talking, like texting out of the group chat. He had explained to me that he was looking for a hookup. And then I had just gotten out of like a six month long distance relationship. It was a really bad relationship. So I just was just looking for a hookup. And he was like, well, I'm dog sitting at my parents' house. If you want to come over for a little bit, you're more than welcome to. I went over and it was a 40 minute drive. We hung out a little bit. One thing led to another and we ended up going into the bedroom. And I guess it had been a while for him. So it lasted like 30 seconds. And you went back? <laughs> he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I haven't had sex since my wife and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this, this and this. And I was like, it's fine, whatever. Then he was like, let me make it up to you. Like, come back the next day. And at the time, I was working two jobs. Drove another 40 minutes, went over to his house, and we started drinking and smoking. And I'm not a huge drinker. I'm not a huge smoker. I was a very goody two-shoes girl. But as I got older, I, like, learned a little bit more, and I'm a little more okay with it. But he drank a lot. He smoked a lot. It was pretty normal for him. And I wanted him to think that I was cool. So I drank and smoked. And I was... I was pretty clear-minded for how much I had had at that point. And then one thing led to another and we went back to the bedroom again. And I don't really know a polite way to say this. And you can let me know if it's like appropriate to say. This is not a family show. I couldn't get wet. So we were having trouble, you know, proceeding. (laughs) So I was like, you know, it's starting to hurt now. Let's just stop at this point and we can try again. I told him, I was like, maybe it's just like the alcohol and the weed mixed together. My body, you know, is kind of freaking out. And he's like, okay, that's fine. So from there, he was like, well, I'm going to go outside on the back deck to smoke a cigarette. Do you want to come with me? And I don't smoke cigarettes. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come out and join you. We had to walk from the bedroom. You had to walk through the kitchen and then into the backyard and at that point, I was walking in front of him. He started like kind of caressing me from behind. And, you know, I was like, OK, cool. This is whatever. And then he started getting a little bit more aggressive with it. And I was like, OK, maybe, maybe not. Sorry, it's kind of hard to talk about. So then I don't really I kind of blacked out. So I don't it's like hard to kind of understand how I got to the point. But he ended up kind of like facing my body down onto the kitchen table. And I think I was in such shock. Like I was telling him that it was hurting um, and he didn't stop. So I, I tried to tell myself that I was like, and he thought it was like a passionate kind of thing, but essentially what it was is it was rape. And mm-hmm. I've, I've come to learn that now. But at the time I, I didn't know him well enough to know that if I had like tried to get up or move or do anything, I didn't know if he would hurt me because we had also been drinking and smoking at the time. So I didn't know, I didn't know him well enough yet. So he did what he needed to do. He finished and then he kissed me 
as if it was like a like a thank you. And at that point, most people would be like, oh, you should like leave the house. You should go. That's your cue. But I had been drinking and I didn't feel comfortable to drive. And I know that sounds so weird. Like you just got raped to get out. It doesn't sound but weird. I knew if I had said, I'm going to leave now, I knew he would have gotten defensive and would have wanted an explanation. And I just didn't know how things were going to go. So <clears throat> for the rest of the night, I had to pretend like everything was okay. I stopped drinking and I stopped smoking because I told him that my stomach was hurting. And then he didn't try anything for the rest of the night, but eventually we did go to bed and we we slept in the same bed. And I just remember like, like rolling over on my side and just curling up in a ball and just being like, please don't touch me. Please don't touch me. Please don't touch me. And he didn't. And I didn't sleep at all that night. He knocked the fuck out. I could hear him snoring and he actually had to go to work the next day. I was awake the whole night, probably for a good like six, seven, eight hours. I heard his alarm go off. I heard him wake up. I heard him take a shower. He came into the room, you know, got his clothes on, whatever, kissed my head goodbye. And then I heard his car leave the driveway and I passed out. I fell asleep so hard for like an hour, maybe two hours, just because I was so exhausted. And I woke up and he had texted me saying, you know, the house is yours. If you want to eat anything, take a shower. I didn't want to do any of that. I got the fuck out. I was like, I'm out of here. I didn't want anything to remind me of him. So I went home and he was texting me and I was barely responding because I didn't really know if what I thought happened happened. The next few days, it was just like a barely back and forth kind of thing. That night, I went into my mom's room and I told her, I was like, I need to talk to you about something. And I don't know if, you know, if it is what it is, but I need to talk to someone. So I told her what happened and she was amazing. She didn't freak out. You know, some parents would like freak out and immediately, you know, call the cops or whatever. She talked me through it and she said, do you think that this is what this is? And I told her that I wasn't sure at that point. And she said, from what I hear, it does sound like it was rape, but that's not up to me to determine that's something that happened to you and I'm here to support you and whatever you need. And then she's like, when's the next time you're going to see him? And it was that Sunday for D&D. And she's like, do you think that you could talk to him at some point? I mean, she's crying. You know, she's like trying to be a mom, but you know, it's also her little girl just had this horrible thing happen. In my head, I decide that I'm going to talk to him at some point that day. When you say talk to him, when you're planning out that conversation, what's going Going through your mind. That's the funny thing is I had nothing planned. Hmm. I was just going to tell him what happened from my point of view. And that that is pretty much what happened. The, the day came, we were playing D&D. There's like three people playing on one side and then another person playing on the opposite side. And he was sitting next to me and he put his hand on my thigh and I just like immediately froze. And he could tell his whole, he could just tell. He shifted and he immediately took his hand away. So then the game was done and normally after that we would wait an hour and then Game of Thrones would come on so we would all stay and watch. After the game was done, the two other guys that played with us left on a beer run and when they left he was like, what's going on? You know, you seem a little distant. I don't remember exactly what I said because I was so scared that something bad was going to happen but I knew that if he was going to attack me or hurt me in any way that those guys were going to be back any second. I don't recommend talking to your rapist one-on-one -on -one like that with a lot of people. But because I knew that those guys were coming back, I thought that was the best time to do it. And I told him, I said, I told you that I was hurting. I told you I didn't want to do it. And you slammed me on the table and it hurt. And I never got the word rape out, but he understood kind of where I was going. And then he started crying and was able to manipulate me into feeling bad for accusing him of what he did. And his whole thing was, I'm so sorry. I would never do anything to hurt you. I've had that happen to me. I would never put that on you and da la la. By the end of it, I was holding him as he was crying. I don't really know how we got to that point. And I like, I look back and I hate myself, not hate myself. I'm just angry with myself for like, I could, I should have seen it at that point. So I guess 
for like the first question you ask, that's probably the moment that I knew that something was not right there. But that's an incredibly anxiety inducing situation because you're confronting your rapist about something that you have been holding on to by yourself for a week. And then all of a sudden he has the exact opposite response of what you're expecting. And so I can imagine during that entire week, you were thinking, well, did that really happen to me? This is a guy that I've had a relationship with for a couple of weeks or months or whatever. So do you think from his perspective, like, do you think he was manipulating you because he deep down knew what happened? Or do you think he actually was so convinced that he hadn't done that to you that he was like trying to convince himself that that wasn't what happened? That's a great question. I never thought of it because him and I never brought it up again in our relationship. Part of me thinks that he he deeply cared for me and he didn't want to hurt me. I think that there was like a, a good part in him at some point that's like, you like the human being part that's like, I hurt someone, I feel bad. But I also think that another part of it was a manipulation of, I did something bad and I feel bad for doing it. So I'm going to cry and I want you to comfort me. Yeah, like he's the victim almost. I guess after that conversation, we were fine. The guys came back from the beer run. We started watching Game of Thrones and he had texted me during it. And he was like, hey, we should talk more about this. Come to my car, you know, when you leave or whatever. And I texted him and I was like, I have to wake up early for work. I really should go home. And he's like, it's just going to be like 10 minutes. I just want to resolve this with you. In my mind, I'm like, okay, good. Let's resolve it. Let's move past it. That's not what happened. I also want to say again, I was not the girl that got attention from guys. Mm. So when I got attention from people, I wanted it. And that's something I'm working with my therapist about now. Pretty much one thing led to another and we had sex in his car. Yeah. Put me in your shoes for that situation. Was that something that in the moment you wanted or was that something you felt like you had to do? I felt like I had to do it because then I was in his car Mm. and I knew that if I didn't do it, it definitely could have gotten into a worse uh, situation. Had he been violent before your sexual assault? Uh, Not towards me. Him and his ex-wife had had some troubles. From what I heard from our mutual friend, he got into some trouble with the law with the two of them. But I don't know anything. I just know that he could have an anger problem. You yourself hadn't witnessed it until that night. No. And actually, if I really think about it, there was only one time he ever got super angry on our relationship. Every other time was just like a a manipulative move, like a chess game. I guess after that, he became the guy that I liked before. You know, happy-go-lucky, fun guy. We would text all the time, send pictures, whatever. We started dating, I guess. I was moving. It was a whole thing about me moving and not wanting to be in a relationship because I was about to move. But then we ended up just dating anyways because we didn't want to see each other or see other people. And then we would see each other for D&D and then we'd like go do stuff in his car after D&D. Then it got to a point where, again, I was under the impression that him and his wife were separated, but they had a son and they were living in the same house, but in separate, separate rooms. And they were only doing that one for their son and two because divorce is expensive. So I was on the phone with him and I got a mess, a Facebook message from his wife. And she said something about how I was a homewrecker. I was a thirsty ass thought. He probably is like putting lies in my head about who she is and that like I'm desperate. I, and she, we had met once before. She said, I knew the moment I met you that you were a desperate whore, all this kind of stuff. I never responded because you know, on Facebook, you can say like, if you're not friends, you can accept it or deny it. I just never responded. And I was on the phone with him. And I said, does your wife know about me? And he was like, oh, yeah, she went through my phone and found our text messages. You're just not going to tell me that? I was like, she just messaged me calling me all this stuff. And he's like, no, just ignore her. She wants to like have her cake and eat it too with me and these all these other guys, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, well, you're my boyfriend, so I'm going to believe you. Eventually, I, I started meeting up with him and his son. And I met his son. I think for me, when I, at that age, I was very much like, a, oh, it's a nice, happy family, you know? I can't believe that he would even do that. Now that I'm older and I have friends that have kids, how could you let your son meet your mistress, girlfriend, whatever? She kicked him out. He ended up moving in with his brother and sister-in-law. It happened to be in my old neighborhood when I was younger. So I knew exactly where they lived. And it was 15 minutes from my house instead of the 40 minutes. I eventually lived at that house. 
like within probably a month, my, all of my stuff, not all of my stuff, but a lot of my clothes were over there. I had like my, I had a charger of my own over there, a toothbrush. It was very quick. I was there so often that I barely ever saw my family ever. Never saw my friends. The only time I saw them when I was working one day, he ends up calling me and breaking up with me out of nowhere. You guys are or are not living together at this point. We are technically not living together, but I had a lot of my stuff over there. I was there probably five nights out of the week. So where are you when he calls you? Uh, At work. So he calls you, breaks up with you. What does he say? Um, He says that his son says that he doesn't get to see him enough and he wants to see him more. Okay. So he thinks by breaking up with you, he'll have more time. Right. He's like, I'm spending a lot of time with you. I'm not spending enough time with him. I need to be there for my son. And I told him from the very beginning, your son is number one. It doesn't matter. So if that's what you need to do, obviously I'm upset. I'm sad about it. But if that's the reason, then that's the reason. So we break up. We text a little bit here and there. I get a text from him asking if I want to go see a movie with him. So we meet up at a movie theater. He was like, did you miss me? And I was like, well, yeah, I missed you. You know, you were my boyfriend. I saw you every day for, you know, whatever. He was like, well, do you want to get back together? I was like, but what about your son? And he's like, oh, I worked it out with his mom. And, you know, I'm going to have more time to see him now. Da, da, da. Something told, something just didn't seem right. I was like, so are you guys still getting separated? And he was like, well, it's just really expensive. So we're like still living together. And then he started bringing up how, Like she made a move on him. And I was like, okay, so did you make one back? And he's like, no, no, I wouldn't do that to you. And I was like, well, technically we were broken up. And he's like, yeah, but you know, I wouldn't do that. And I was like, so you didn't, you didn't kiss her. And he's like, okay, yeah, we, we kissed for a little bit, but I stopped it after that. And I was like, but you guys had sex, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, we did. I was like, so you said that you broke up with me for your son, but you broke up with me so you could sleep with your wife and not technically cheat on me. And he was like, no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. I'm like, no, it is like that. I said, that's not cool. Cool. <laughs> I was like, I, I deserve a lot more than that. And I was like, I was on my high horse <laughs> and I was like, I deserve more. Da, 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 da. And then he was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You deserve so much more than me. And I'm going to be, you know, a lot better and I'm going to work on myself. And I promise like in this relationship, I'm going to be a better man. He promised. And I was like, okay, I just fell right back in. I fell for those words. Yep. I know. I know. I was like, but I don't want you sleeping with your wife. <laughs> I was like, I know that's sounds weird, but if I'm your girlfriend, I'm your girlfriend and I'm the only person that you're going to be sleeping with. Um, So we ended up going to the movies and it was a great time. We had a great day. And then one night I was over and again, I was over at their house a lot, but I really loved his brother and I loved his sister-in-law. We got along so well, but I had an early, early, early doctor's appointment the next morning at 6 a.m. And where I was living, it was five minutes away. Where he was living, it was 20, 30 minutes away. And so I told him, I said, I've been here every night this week. I want to go home. I want to sleep in my own bed and I have to wake up early. It's just better for me that way. He was like, he had been drinking at this point. And when I say drinking, I'm not talking like beers. I'm talking, he's like taking shots of vodka, just like one after the other, after the other. I'm trying to leave. And he's like, no, please don't leave. I have this terrible feeling that if you leave, you're going to get in a car accident or you're going to get hurt. And I just have a bad feeling. Something bad's going to happen. Please don't leave me. Don't leave me. It's to the point where his brother's like, dude, let her go home. It's fine. He's crying because I'm leaving to go sleep in my own bed. Eventually I'm like, okay, fine. But I have to wake up at this time and I can't stay here. I have to go because it was not only a physical, but it was also to get my birth control updated. We go upstairs, we're getting changed. He's taking shot after shot. He's drinking or he's smoking. And then the atmosphere just changed. There's a huge switch and he takes a shot. He looks at me and he goes, you don't love me, do you? I was like, what? And he's like, that's why you wanted to leave because you don't love me. I was like, no, I, I have a doctor's appointment early in the morning. I've been here exactly what I told him before. And he's like, you don't fucking love me. And I was like, no, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's like, you know what? Get the fuck out of my house. And I was like, what? And I'm trying to calm him down. He's like, no, if you don't want to be here, then get the fuck out of my house. And at this point, I saw us 20 years into the future doing the same fucking thing. I was like, if you really want me to leave, I will leave. And he's like, get the fuck out of my house, bitch. I got my stuff. I left the house. I went home. I slept. I went to my doctor's appointment. It was great. And then the next morning, he's like, hey, you left 
something like a piece of clothing over here. And I said something about, oh yeah, there's some stuff at my house of yours. I'll bring it over. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, you don't yell at me like that. Where I haven't been in many relationships at that point, but I know that if someone starts yelling at you and you allow them to let you like yell at you like that, they're going to think that they can have control over you. So he's like, what do you mean we're over? I was like, you don't yell at me like that. You told me to get the fuck out of your house. It's not even your house. It's your brother's house. So I bring my stuff over and he's like trying to talk with me about like, I'm so sorry, please like take me back. And I told him, I said, no. I said, I don't want a relationship with you anymore. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, let's just like, let's just be friends because we have this mutual friend who didn't know. It was a secret that him and I were dating for a really long time. And then he ended up telling our mutual friend and our mutual friend didn't like it. We ended up being friends and we would sleep together and we would do all this stuff. He was able to manipulate me and be like, oh no, we're just friends. Let's just hang out. La la la. Fast forward, the time came. It was time for me to leave the state. So I went over to his house. I said my goodbyes and it was a really just normal goodbye. It was like a, I'm bad at goodbyes. He was bad at goodbyes. So we're just like, okay, see you around. You know, we can still text each other here and there. Then I move here. Him and I are talking every night. We're talking for like four hours at a time. And then he tells me about a girl he meets. Come to find out they're dating. He is telling me all about how she's the best thing that's ever happened to him. He's never had a love like this before. Telling me how much in love he is with her. And I told him, I was like, don't you think it's a little unfair for you to be saying all of this to me as someone that used to be your girlfriend? If you're like me and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything and then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code BREAKUP50 at factormeals.com slash BREAKUP50 to get 50% off. Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart. Protein Plus and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there's so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor's also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. And he's like, well, you know, you're my only friend that I can really talk to about this kind of stuff. And, you know, I just, I need to tell someone. And I was like, okay, but you can't be mad when I go and see other people. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So a week after moving, our mutual friend was moving out of his apartment and I drove to help him move. We did one last D&D run and uh, my ex was there and he got a kitten and he invited me over to see the cat. And I said, yes, I went over. We ended up drinking and smoking and hanging out with the cat. One thing led to another and I we sleep together. He knew again, he knew what he was doing. I don't know how to explain it, but he was just able to be like, it's going to be totally chill. Nothing, you know, is going to happen. You can leave whenever you want. But then you're like taking shots and you're smoking and then you don't want to go. And, you know, he makes you feel like you're having such a fun time. You don't want it to end. Um, so we sleep together and he's with this girl that he met. I woke up the next morning and him and I, you know, we're talking and I told him, I was like that. We shouldn't have done that. That was not a good decision. You know, I need to leave soon. He's like, yeah, I have to leave soon too, but I wanted to give you this. And he gave me a copy or his copy of his favorite book. And he's like, I just want 
something for you to remember me by when you go back. And he left because he had to go to work. And then I was about to leave and I wrote him a note. I put it on the book and I kept it on the bed and it said, I can't take this and you know why. I knew that he was using it as a way to be able to always be in my life. That wasn't okay for him to do. And also it's disrespectful. He has a girlfriend and I know I was already disrespectful to her because I slept with him. I, I don't know how to explain it. I just... I knew that he was going to do it so I could always have a part of him in my life. I got home that day. He called me and he was like, why did you leave my book? I don't understand. And I told him that I don't think that we can be friends anymore. And he was like, why? I was like, I moved to have a new chapter and I can't have a new chapter with you still in my life. I said, it's it's too many obstacles. It's too many ups and downs. I need to be who I want to be without you manipulating me. He's like, I'm not manipulating you. And I'm like, you are though. And I was like, and also it hurt when I hear you talk about another girl. Yes, I broke up with you, but I still love you. I was with you for six months. So you have to give me, you know, you got to let me go. He starts crying and he said, that's not fair. Like you're the only friend that I have. I have no one else to talk to. And I told him, I said, that's not my fault because at the end of the day, I had no friends. The only friends that I had was the friend that I moved in with here. I was starting a whole new life in a new place. So if I can make new friends in a new place, he can make new friends where he lives. So we get off the phone and I get a call at 12 o'clock midnight. I'm asleep and it's from him. And I call him and he was like, he's crying. He's like, you did this to me. You made me this way. You made me do this. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What's going on? And he sends me pictures of his fresh cut wounds with blood all over them. And he's like, you made me do this because you don't love me and I can't live without you in my life and then start sending me picture of all the blood on the kitchen floor and I mean I God, I will never be able to unsee that. It was a lot of blood. I told him, I was like, I need to call the police. I'm scared for you. He's like, no, don't call the police. Don't call the police. Just stay on the phone with me. Stay on the phone with me. So I'm on the phone with him and I'm trying to like, I'm falling asleep as I'm on the phone with him. And then eventually he falls asleep. And I was like, okay, I can now go to sleep. So the next morning I text him and I said, don't text me. Don't call me. We're not going to talk to each other anymore. And I immediately blocked him. It pisses me off because he was able to block me on everything else before I could block him. And I'm like, that's not fair. I wanted the satisfaction of being able to block you out of my life. I don't know how I figured it out, but a couple months later, I saw that on his wife's Facebook that they got back together and he had moved to the state where she was living with their son. Um, I guess they were having like a shared custody for a little bit. They would meet in the middle, like, you know, hand hand their the son off or whatever. At some point during that time, and they had slept together and she got pregnant again. She, I guess, was living with him, pregnant with their second kid. And their first kid was growing growing up and then all of a sudden he was nowhere to be found on her profile all pictures of him gone she god it was probably like two uh, two years ago she had messaged me and she said it looks like you never read that message and i hope you never do i'm so sorry i've ever said those things to you i was letting my own insecurities out on you please accept my apology and i said I messaged her and I said, I accept your apology. I'm sorry for what I did. And that's where we left it. And I have not heard from him since. I have not seen him since. I did end up going to see our mutual friend at one point because he had moved there. And I had to tell him about what happened because he didn't know that what that he had raped me. I was telling him and my friend said, one, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I really am. No one should have to go through that. Two, I'm sorry that you felt like you couldn't come and talk to me. And three, unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me that he did that to someone because I know that he is not a good person. I guess that's kind of the end of it. But I didn't really accept the fact that I was sexually assaulted until one night I had a dream of it happening to me over and over again. But I was outside of my body watching myself. And I had the same dream seven times in one night. I knew that that was my mind telling me that it's something that I need to go talk to a therapist about. 
And I have been in therapy since. It's really tough to accept that you let someone do that to you. You didn't let someone do that to you. That was something that happened to you. Well, I guess it's more the whole manipulation, you know, in the long run. I mean, even now, when I started dating, I was just always thinking, oh, well, is this person going to manipulate me? Does this person actually like me? And then it got to a point before I met him, I barely slept with anyone. I had a purity ring with my first boyfriend and I lost my virginity when I was 20 because I believe that sex was like really important. I was one of those people, you know, save yourself for marriage. I didn't. But when it came to him, I felt like that that's all that I was good for. I had like a little bit of a hope phase and I started sleeping with guys because I thought that that's what would make them want me. And then I would get disappointed when they didn't. Again, that's something I worked out with my therapist, but I was trying to find satisfaction in all these people because I was so invested in him and our relationship that I really forgot who I was. Because then I was just like, oh, well, I was a girl that got raped. That's who I thought I was for a long time. Now I'm not ashamed of it. It's something that happened to me. It is something that I am going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. And unfortunately, it's never not going to be on my mind. And I think every survivor out there can understand that there's always a little piece of it in your mind that's just going to always be there. In your future relationships, you really have to think about if that voice is going to be prominent in your thoughts. So it's been tough, but it's it's getting easier. I was really disappointed in myself for a long time and I really hated myself for allowing all of that to happen. But now probably within like the last year and a half, I've really come into my own and I'm more open about my story. I actually ended up doing a, uh, a boudoir photo shoot with one of my friends because I wanted to take control back of my body. And I do feel like I have that power back and I do feel more comfortable in my body now because it's mine, not because it's anyone else's. Well, first of all, I want to commend you on your incredible bravery. I mean, you've made it through this entire podcast, just like talking about it so eloquently. So I think you should be incredibly proud of how far you've come. First of all, for having to acknowledge what happened to you, because it sounds like there was a little, a little bit of denial and gaslighting on his part. So mm-hmm. it takes bravery a to accept that that happened to you, but B, it also takes bravery to have to face it and to not run from it. And I'm, I'm sure your therapist has told you that a thousand times. And it sounds like you have taken some really big strides in overcoming that. So you should be very proud of yourself. And I know a lot of people are going to resonate with what you said, because I mean, I can't imagine having, <laughs> when you said that it's, it sticks in your mind every single day. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine, but I don't want to have to imagine because like, it must be incredibly difficult to have to live with that every day. Let's talk a little bit about the manipulation that you faced with him, because I think when you lay it out on paper, when you don't have the person in front of you and you don't have the humanity that you're experiencing with them, it's hard to understand how that manipulation could happen. So talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit about what you've talked about with your therapist, about how he was able to manipulate you into coming back time and time again. That's a great question. So we've kind of worked it out to where we figured out that I am very much a people pleaser. Growing up, I was the emotional backbone to my family. My parents are amazing people, but we struggled a lot growing up. My dad was constantly working, so he wasn't around. And my mom never had that emotional support person. So I ended up being her emotional support person. Because of that, I always felt when someone had emotions, I took on those emotions and I felt like it was my responsibility to resolve it. If something was wrong, I needed to get that done. So he was able to use my people pleasing aspect of my life and be like, well, I'm going to take this and I'm going to make you feel bad for making me feel bad. So he would always say, you know, you don't love me. You hate me. All that kind of stuff to where I'd be like, I don't hate you. I do love you. Okay, fine. We can do this or I'll say another night or whatever, because I don't like making people feel bad. And that's kind of the bottom line. Even I don't like to make people feel sad, upset, bad or whatever, because I don't like to feel that way. And why would I want to make anyone else feel that way? It's gotten better, but I still, even to this day, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do whatever you want. You need something? I'll do it. Yeah, sure. 
but it it does take some consciousness of being like, okay, calm down. You don't have to do that. You don't have to say that. Did that play into your sex life at all with him? Did you ever feel like you had to give in to sex in order to like get validation or to make him feel some type of way? I would say yes. We had sex a lot, mainly without protection. The only protection we had was the was the birth control that I was using. I always asked if he had condoms and it was always, a, oh, I forgot or, you know, I, I just ran out whatever. I'd always just be like, okay, well, we'll just do it this one time. And I'm very lucky that I did not get pregnant. And part of me almost feels like that he almost did it. He was trying to see if I would get pregnant so that I could stay there. He was going to try and like trap me in. But I always felt like having sex with him would prove to him that I did love him and I didn't hate him. And then I was there with him because he always accused me of not being those things. Let's talk about how you've dealt with this in therapy. Like, what was that first therapy appointment like with your therapist? Did you sit her down and go, what's up? I'm here. This is what happened to me. I'm ready to go. Or did it take you a while to open up about that? So I actually saw one therapist beforehand, before my original therapist, my therapist now. I saw her for one session and I had never been open about it with anyone. Right after that session, I actually went over to a guy's house that I was talking to at the time. And I I was just like, not there at all. Because being open with someone that you don't know about something like that is really hard. Like on the way home, I just, I almost like I had a thought of I could turn the wheel right now and I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And obviously I didn't, but it's crazy how bringing something like that up over and over and over again can just make you something in your past can make you want to end your life. That I think made it maybe a little bit easier for my therapist now because she knew that I was assaulted, but I didn't go right into how it happened. She didn't want to know at that point. She wanted to know the history with my family first. That was the most important thing. So she could start from the beginning and then work her way. I think that really helped because when you tell someone that you've been sexually assaulted or raped or molested, it's almost like people want the dirty details. Mm. It's kind of like, this is going to sound weird, but it's kind of like murder. If someone's really into like a crime or like a serial killer, they want to know the details. It's kind of like that. I only say that because I've been listening to a murder mystery podcast. It was really nice that she didn't immediately want to know everything. She wanted to know who I was as me first before I told her who I was back then when I let it happen. So she could build on the blocks that I've already, I had already started building for myself. You have a great therapist. The last time when you finally put your foot down and you were ready to get out of that relationship and you finally were done. What was it about that final, I'm done, I'm not coming back? What was it about that time that made you feel ready to actually walk out the door? I didn't want my life, like I said, I saw us, you know, 20 years into the future doing the same thing. And that's not a, that's not a life I wanted to live. Kind of just brought me into perspective of you deserve a lot better than this. You've had a lot better than this. And yes, maybe you, you know, you've broken up with them, but it was a lot better than, than this. And the whole point of me moving was to start over. And I knew that if I didn't break it off with him at that point, I wasn't going to start over. I would, I was just going to be kept being pulled back by him. And I was not going to take the chance that I had for myself to become a new person here. So you were envisioning like a certain type of future for yourself. What did that look like? Like, what were you excited about? I was really excited to kind of go out and meet new people and new experiences and kind of get an idea of who I was. I had mentioned before, I was very much the backbone of my family. So I did a lot for my family, what they expected of me. And I never, I didn't realize I was doing that until a little bit like when I'm probably a year and a half before I moved here and I didn't know who I was. I had no idea. All I knew is who I was to my family, who I was to my friends. And, but I didn't know who I was as myself. I was kind of just going to try everything. I actually tried speed dating when I moved here. It was a lot of fun. And I met one of my best guy friends that I hang out with now here. I, you know, I started, I went to, I went whitewater rafting at the whitewater center. I started going to movies by myself. I went to a singles mixer by myself. I started making friends at my jobs and I just realized that this, like you just have a feeling you're just supposed to be here. And that's how I felt. 
there's this quote that my friend says, I don't know who it's from, but I think it's, you can't grow in the environment that hurt you. And I know that if I moved back, I would not grow into the person that I want to, would I want to be, I would grow into who they expect me to be. But yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about myself the last God, almost five years that I've lived here. What's the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself? I am more of a homebody than I thought. (laughs) Now that I'm a little bit older, I like when I was first here, I went out a lot to try and experience things. But now I'm more comfortable in myself and I'm more comfortable in my friendships and my relationship that it's okay for me to just hang out and relax and be with myself sometimes. I talked to a therapist and I quoted it on my podcast a couple of times from, it's an episode I did with someone called Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Yeah, And she talks about like when you're building self-worth, like just go out, be by yourself and look at a sunset. And I thought that was so like silly. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, wow, I do a lot of that shit. And I feel like I, I'm like, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of self-worth and maybe it's because I spend a lot of time by myself. So it's, it's like spending time by yourself and just being comfortable will help bring the right people in and help you grow in the right environments. Have you been able to find a new man? Are you in a new relationship? Yes, I am. Talk to me about that because I'm sure going from like literally hell on earth to like a nice person was like kind of a mind F. We are actually long distance, but we were introduced by our mutual friend. We have already talked about she's going to be the officiant in our wedding because she was supposed to be on both sides. We're not engaged yet. Let me preface that. We met because he had recently um, his ex-fiance had broken off the engagement and they broke up Uh, he came down and she was like well tell me who your dream girl is and he started naming these things and she's like I know someone like that at that point I was like I don't really want to date right now I'm getting to know myself blah 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 and then she was getting married and I went to her bachelorette party and she was like you just just snapchat him just talk with him a little bit Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, fine. And all of the girls were like, oh my God, you should talk to him. He's such a great guy. I had never met him before. So we started talking and it kind of went from Snapchatting to texting to he randomly called me. And then, you know, we were on the phone for four hours for like the rest of the week. We were pretty much boyfriend and girlfriend at that point, but we had never met in person. So we actually met at her rehearsal dinner for her wedding. It was so nerve wracking. We're in a very extremely healthy relationship now. It's terrifying because I actually went up earlier this month and there was something on my mind that I wanted to talk to him about, but I didn't want to talk about it because I knew going back to like my people pleasing, I knew that it would make him upset, not upset, angry, upset, sad. I started noticing myself becoming passive aggressive towards him because I hadn't brought it up. And I was like, this is not it. This is like, you know, back to the uh, manipulative ex of being passive aggressive. So I sat him down, I talked with him and I was bawling my eyes out the whole time. And I told him right before I said, I'm going to cry and it's not you. It's me. Just let me cry and let me get it out. And we talked about it. And then afterwards I said that I was sorry. And he was like, there's no reason to be sorry. Your feelings are completely validated. And I want you to feel comfortable to talk with me if you are having an issue. And then I started crying again because I never had that before. It's just been night and day being in a relationship with someone. And he knows about my past and he's very respectful of it. It's just nice. That's not all he sees of me. He doesn't make me feel like that. I'm just the girlfriend that got raped at some point. Hmm. But God, it's the healthiest relationship. We always just talk about how healthy the relationship is because he was in a bad relationship beforehand too. Well, I'm so happy for you. I was, I love a happy ending. If somebody's like really in the trenches of like a awful relationship right now and they're like, wow, it would be really nice for somebody to like look me in the eyes, tell me what I've gone through is valid and just be there for me as like a healthy human because for some reason that's like hard to find. Give that person some hope. Like what would you tell them? You have to to be your own advocate. I think people tend to rely on others in situations like that, but I really believe that there is a strong enough motivation in everyone to be able to be their own advocate because at the end of the day, you decide what happens to you. You decide how you feel. Your feelings are valid. So you need to let them know that your feelings are valid. And if you're in the trenches, if you in manipulative relationships like that, the person tends to isolate you from your friends and family and you almost feel like you have no one in your life. But I can promise you there's one person that if you go up to them and you're like, I know that I have been this way, it's because this is going on. 
they will help you. If they care enough about you, if they love you enough, they're not going to let you continue to stay in an abusive relationship like that. So you just have to be your own advocate and you have to figure out a, a plan for the life that you want for yourself, not for the two of you, for you. Because your life is your life, not y'all's life. Tune in on Thursday's Breakdown bonus episode. I'll be talking to Amy from New Perspectives. You've heard her on the podcast before. We're going to be having a conversation about sexual assault, manipulation, and also codependency. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.